Star Wars doesn't happen in the city. It doesn't happen in Parliament or in the library. It happens out here, away from civilization, amidst smugglers and bounty hunters. Star Wars is a Western, and it's set in the frontier. Uh, we're going to skip our normal opening for the show this week because we have a very, very special episode. We are talking Star Wars. And I think this is the first time that we've ever <laughs> dedicated a whole show just to Star Wars. And it's about damn time. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it I'm really surprised it's taken this it long. It should not have taken this long. So You failed. No, I haven't failed. You I've have been failed. waiting for something very, very special to talk about. And last week I was on Facebook and one of my friends from the 501st was showing or put up on their wall the video from Dear J.J. Dear J. J. Abrams project. Right, which has which taken over the internet. It's completely taken over the internet. If anyone doesn't know about it, it's the four rules to making Star Wars great Epis- again. Well, yeah. Episode 7. How to make Episode 7. Well, it, you know, it's basically a personal message to Disney and to J.J. Abrams. To not screw up. Right. And <laughs> lucky enough for us on this show, this episode, we have the creators of the project. We have Prescott Harvey and Robert Perez. Hey Welcome guys. to Nerdables, guys. Thanks, guys. Hello. Happy to be here. When it first was put up on the internet about, I guess, what, a month or two ago? Yeah, about uh, a month ago. I think I, I think I saw something in, you know, on, my, on my Facebook wall and didn't really pay much attention at first. And then it just kept popping up more and more. So I was finally, like, last week looking at this thing, and I saw the whole thing about how JJ's acknowledge it. And I really wanted to, you know, check it out. And I was, like, immediately, <laughs> like most Star Wars fans, captivated, captivated by this thing. So you guys did a brilliant job. And I just, I'm glad we got to have you on the show to yeah. be able to talk about this. The production uh, level okay. and the, the nice. artwork that you guys did is unbelievable. So kudos awesome. to you. Before we get to the actual rules, I want to ask you guys a few questions about how the project got started. So whose idea was it, and how much convincing did it take to get everybody else on board? Sure, yeah. Um, It was my idea originally, and um, I took it to the owners of of Sincerely Truman, and and they, I think, immediately saw the potential in it. So they, they were on board pretty much immediately and then when I started asking you know people who who I wanted to work work with um, if they were interested you know um, Robert was one of the first and yeah it would take took no convincing I mean yeah so like I remember when he came to me and he was like hey I have an idea for a Star Wars video would you be interested in like helping me out like do a lot of visuals and just start drawing um, some ideas uh, for it and I was like yeah yeah I was super excited I couldn't wait to kind of dive into that universe and just start drawing some of the characters and um, figure out like ways of uh, making this video awesome. Okay, so from concept to completion, how long did this take you guys to make it happen? Took about ended up taking about five months, and and we could have I think done it quicker, but we were for an agency and paid work had to come first, yeah. so sure. um, we kind of just did, did it. Whenever we had time. It's like everybody in L.A., you know, everybody has their day job, and then everybody has the job that they want to be doing. Totally, <laughs> yep. So who did the art and animation? 
Um, I did probably a majority, I'd say, of, of the artwork, but then I handed it off to um, Harvey uh, or Prescott and uh, another animator to do uh, a couple of the different rules. But I, I just kind of helped out with the visuals and the assets to be created. Which, by the way, I think the animation was just amazing on it after I saw the video. I was like, this is really cool how it, how it turned out. So good job, guys. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, really pleased with it. So, so did you generally, I mean, create, because there's very distinct differences between each level and each rule and each world, and you guys did a, a really nice job of giving character and presence and a life to each world, but each one being different and each style being very different. Was that all on you, or was that like a collaborated, or how did that all uh, break down? We did that intentionally so that, like, yeah, each each of the rules would have their own unique style um, and just a uh, better way of communicating uh, the rule. But, yeah, like, so I, I kind of led a lot of the visuals um, as far as, like, creating them. But then I got um, – I can't take full credit for all of them. Uh, I got a lot of help from a couple other people that kind of helped finesse and um, take them to the next level or just really helped me out when I was kind of over overworked. So – <laughs> and I think the decision to do four different styles also, I mean, in part, in part, this was also a showcase of what Sincerely Truman could do. So we wanted to to show four different art styles, just different things that we're capable of, of doing here. So that, that, that played into it as well. Congrats on succeeding. Is Sincerely Truman your guys' company? Or are you a part of it or did you hire them out? No, no, we we work for them. So it's just it's a company, and they're they're really cool and, and really adamant about wanting to do um, projects like this, you know, with any spare bandwidth. So um, yeah, so it was just something we kind of took to the owners and, and petitioned them to to see if we could do it or not. So Prescott, you wrote and produced uh, the four rules. Um, then you went back and wrote an essay about the four rules. Can you, uh, in case anyone really hasn't read it or anything? Uh, can you tell everybody why the four rules are so important? Absolutely. I um, One of the things putting this video out, it kind of states the four rules very clearly, but it doesn't address any of the why. And a lot of the comments I was getting mm -hmm. um, kind of made me understand that, that maybe some further explanation would be helpful. So I think for me, the, the first rule, the setting is the frontier, uh, that really plays to this idea that in, in modern cinema with the, the current special effects that we have, there's so much is shown on the screen that there's very little left to the imagination. So right. hmm. in rewatching the original Star Wars, there's so much, so many of the monsters, just because of budgetary limitations uh, and technology limitations, there's, there's a lot that's on screen, but there's so much that's left unseen so that you're always kind of wondering what's over the next uh, sand dune, what's under the water line. And this ability that it had to really activate the audience's imagination and keep them guessing and filling in all these blanks themselves um, is, for me, one of the, the coolest things about the, the original trilogy. So it's kind of that rule is a petition to Hollywood to not always overuse special effects and and remember that the audience is bringing something to the table um their own imagination right um rule two i think that star wars the original trilogy george lucas pioneered this industrial future this used technology future and then in the in the prequels he he stepped away from that and, and kind of cleaned things up but 
that that aesthetic was something that really made Star Wars, and it was kind of its, it's signature look. So, I, I think any 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 attempt to veer away from that muddies the water and just brings it more into the realm of general science fiction. So, I think for me, you know, um, it's it's keeping Star Wars as impactful as possible to to adhere to the the future is is old rule. Um, the third rule, the Force is mysterious, kind of plays into the first rule as well. Just the idea that um, what's made Star Wars a classic is this religious mythology of the Force, and then to try to reverse that and, and explain the Force in any way, um, really, you know, um, it's it kind of takes away the reverence that that I think fans walk away from the movie um, right. about, about this this idea of the Force. So, so to keep that. Um, very, uh, very spiritual and abstract. Um, and, and then the fourth rule, um, uh, the Star Wars isn't cute. I mean, um, <laughs> you can take that a lot of ways, but I, I kind of take the way that, um, you know, I don't think that, uh, I think, you know, the, the original trilogy had a lot of depth to the characters and um, just, I think, I think that's really, really important to to not just have characters that are good, but characters that are morally complex um, and, and really rich. So right. uh, I was watching the making of video that you guys have up on the website, and you're talking about um, in rule one about how to me the whole the one of the worst things about the prequels is they feel that they're too you know open. You you lose that intimacy that you had in the original trilogy when they're in the spaceships it didn't even you know it didn't even feel the same as it did when they were you know leaving Tatooine to go to you know Alderaan in the Millennium Falcon or going to the Death Star or whatever it didn't it they lost all of that sense of intimacy between the characters and mm-hmm. that character development just didn't seem to be there in the prequels as it was in the you know original trilogy and it was nice that you guys you know immediately honed in on that because I know that a lot of Star Wars fans that have grown up with the original trilogy, that's you know one of their core beliefs with it is that's one of the things that lost in the prequels and are hoping to get back in this new you know this new set of films that are coming out. So besides Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams making a good Star Wars film, what are you guys hoping to accomplish with this project? Yeah, first. Um. Well, I mean, it was. It was amazing to see, like, actually how far the video went. And, I mean, in our wildest dreams, we were hoping that, like, J.J. and Disney would kind of see it at least and, and be able to um, possibly, yeah, hear us out in, in where we were coming from. But, like, where, where I'm just, like, really pleased by um, the video is just, like, being able to showcase a lot of our work and, like, our effort and just highlight um, our abilities to work as a team and um, just kind of work on something that was a lot of fun. So it's it's kind of cool that something that we didn't know was going to go so far made it so far and got the responses um, that it did out there. So I think, yeah, I think for, for me, um, one of my hidden, not so hidden goals is to, to really get um, Hollywood thinking about it, being intentional about how they're making movies. And so... Right. Um, for me, this doesn't stop with Star Wars. It's kind of um, uh, a call to, to to Hollywood to remember some of the techniques that that made them successful um, ten, twenty years ago, and to hopefully get fans um, excited to have them steer away as much from special effects. Not to say that they don't have a, a great place, but right. that 
they're not the reason why we go to see movies. They're they're just um, they're one kind of piece of that. So, um, yeah, in my opinion, there's a, there's a bigger conversation that that should be happening. While you know computer graphics are great and everything, and they add a lot to film that you couldn't do, they also take away so much and take you out of the moment that you know that you did. I I can't tell you how many times I've watched a film where I'm sitting there paying attention to the computer graphics you know, instead of what's actually going on or what the dialogue is. Yeah, I, I think when the laws of physics start breaking, um, <laughs> it, it, I, I want to send a message to Hollywood that that's, that should be a red flag. Like, if that's happening in every scene, um, then, yeah, your your audience is not going to be able to, they're only going to be able to get to a certain place with, with your movie, so. Well, yeah, it definitely seems like there's been a lost art now in Hollywood these days, and so, you know, seeing something like this now, it's being more refreshing that people are actually you know, I guess campaigning to, uh, you know, make it better. Yeah, there's yeah. there's still a lot of traditionalists out there that want to have, mm-hmm. you know, I'd I'd still love to have some stop you know stop motion and some puppeteering going on in films, oh, yeah. and you're losing that. Right. It's it's like um, you know, I'm gonna get off topic real quick here. I don't know if you guys have seen the footage that just came out from the laser disc that was purchased on eBay from uh, Return of the Jedi. That mm-hmm. show it shows some deleted scenes and some um, some extra bonus footage of Yoda and and Luke in the uh, in the hut on Dan- uh, on uh, Dagobah um, when no, he's I getting ready that. to die and it's just the puppeteering you you forgot I forgot how real Yoda how awesome Frank Oz is yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah really you know Frank Oz was basically down on his knees that whole time as Yoda there's just so much you know even in the deleted scene and even the stuff that they were cutting and they weren't even you know really filming at that time there's still so much emotion and so much character coming out of Yoda that you don't have with some of the stuff with the CGI mm-hmm well, I, I'm worried that that because we haven't been using or developing these talents in 20 years, puppeteering and stop motion, that maybe it's gone. You know, maybe there's no longer the talent in Hollywood. Because if you look at the Phantom Menace, even when they tried to do the puppet yeah. of Yoda, it just it didn't work. I have seen a couple of interviews where Abrams has said that he wants to take stuff back towards the you know the original trilogy. Um, Possibly even shooting on 35 millimeter again instead of digital, which would be phenomenal. You know, you'd get that grainy look to it. You'd get that that old look to it as you know as you guys have in there. Um, well, heck, let's get into the JJ stuff. Well, you know, JJ, you know, he he, he did say, and then I heard this before too, that he's going to limit the lens flares. That that was more of a stylized <laughs> well, thing yeah. for Star Trek. Come on, that's JJ. Well, no, there was an he he did an interview where his wife said that uh, he said that his wife had watched a early cut of Star Trek um, Into Darkness, and she is now blind. And she told him, <laughs> she told him, there's way too many lens flares. Why are you putting lens flares in there? You don't need them. But they're so cool. So he went back and took some of them out for that movie. Still wasn't as bad as Total Recall. Total Recall, I think every like shot had a lens flare or like seven lens flares or something. I think they were just trying to cover bad CG. Probably, but Maybe. It's just <laughs> well, let's let's dive but into the whole. As I JJ was, stuff. I, I yeah. purposely brought JJ up because, and I don't know, if, you know, there may be some fans that have been, you know. Hiding on Under one of the roads of Bogdan, there, yeah, there's somewhere else in, in the Star Wars universe that haven't heard. But J.J. Abrams has acknowledged your guys's project. Mm-hmm. Um, I think during a interview with the Times, uh, he said that 
I would say that the video conveys conveys a feeling that we share very much. Um, that had to be amazing to have JJ acknowledge the uh, project. What do you? What, you, how, was, what was it like? Yeah. One of the big shocks for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, with this project. I mean, yeah. I still I checked my work email and somebody had sent out an all and Truman work email with the article and yeah. I was at my parents' place and I was just grinning from ear to ear, jumping up and down. It was so cool. So that's got to be an amazing feeling, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. so I I know that you did this with the hopes that Disney and JJ would see it. Did you go into it thinking you're going to get responses from them, or was that like a pipe dream, or did you think that you'd actually like hear back from them? I thought it was pretty unlikely. I mean, obviously, when we set out to do this project, that was our, our end goal. I mean, we wanted to move the needle on Star Wars and create something that fans could rally behind. I mean, that was the whole reason for petitioning Disney. But I I didn't really think that it would, would happen. I mean, kind of in my wildest dreams did I think that. So to to have it actually happen i mean yeah it's awesome it's awesome both as a result of doing all this work and as a fan like it's just so yeah. cool you know like, i'm excited yeah. for star wars again so um That's it's awesome. awesome across the board there's a little bit more to this story with jj than probably most people actually know and a lot of the fans out there of your work don't even know this yet so you guys want to kind of tell them give us the secret insider <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, Robert was out that day. It was the one day he was oh, out. No. And, uh, that CJ actually called Sincerely Truman, and um, I got to talk to him for about 10 minutes, and um, it was really cool. This was before he, he came out to the Times in support of the video, but, um, you know, he for about four of those 10 minutes, he was just gushing over the video and over the artwork and the production quality and, and the message and, and everything. So for me, it was like always the equivalent of an out-of-body experience. I'm sitting here on the phone listening to J.J. Abrams tell me how much he loves the, my video, and I'm like, dude, you're, yeah, so. Um, you uh, made Star so, Trek. Yeah, it was, um, it was cool. He was, um, a super super uh, humble, down to earth guy. Like he was asking me about the tools that we used, and I was telling him, you know, After Effects and Cinema 4D. And he was start. We started geeking out on Cinema 4D. I'm like, you use Cinema 4D? And he's like, oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, I just need to get version 15. So, <laughs> um, uh, so it was cool. He didn't. He he was pretty cagey about um, specific details. He didn't say much else other than what he said publicly. Um, but mm -hmm. one thing that he did say that I thought was really neat was he he said that he really appreciated the place where the video was coming from and that it was coming clearly coming from a place of love and a place of passion. And I think um, the Star Wars fan universe tends to be so polarized and people mm, tend yeah. to be so, so like aggressive online that <laughs> to get something that was, you know, a letter petitioning him but also came from a place of, of love and support, um, he said that he thought that was pretty neat. So, so that was cool. Yeah, well, to kind of amplify everything that happened with that, uh, slightly before and then after your video, uh, he's come out multiple times, and he's not a guy who's known for talking about his projects, but he's kind of let loose a little bit of kind of like, 
He's said that he thinks they'd like to go 75% practical, 25% CGI. He's said that they'd like to go back to, you know, Star Wars had this sense of a world beyond borders and what you've ever been told. And it's, you know, something that was done brilliantly by those movies. So he's starting to kind of release this kind of feeling that it seems as though he's going towards your direction. My my sense was, and he, I mean, you know, there's obviously a limit to what he can say, but just given that he called me and kind of the the things that he was saying on the on the phone, I got the sense. And then, especially when it followed, you know, a week later that that he was being replaced and Lawrence Kasdan were being brought in as to rewrite yeah. the, the screenplay. Um, I really got the sense that that you know there were some big discussions going on behind the scenes about what Star Wars should be, and that having this video out there made by fans was a piece of of support to mm-hmm. to things that he was mm-hmm. saying. So I really do think that he's our guy, and maybe there's some differing visions at Disney, you know, of of what Star Wars should be, but that the recent momentum that this video is part of has has enabled him to forge his own path. So that's that's me inferring inferring things, but I re, I think that he's with, he's with the general fans in, in trying to bring Star Wars back to its roots. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Well, when he when he first started coming out saying, you know, everything he's been saying about how he wanted to take it back to its roots, how he was a fan of the original trilogy and whatnot, you know, I, w- I was thinking along the lines of you are that, oh, this is our guy. This is who we need, you know, helming this project. But then, you know, you start seeing a lot of people online talking about, well, you know what? He may just be saying that. But to hear that he actually called you and was relaying this same information to you when he doesn't have to do that kind of really shows how genuine he is about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it even that phone call, in addition to just being awesome and geeking out, like it really – yeah, it felt like here's a guy who's in support of of what these fans are saying. So, so I walked away with that, you know, with certainly um, a lot a lot of faith that that he's on the front lines fighting for for the vision that we we all want. So it was really cool. Well, now that he's actually involved in the writing process and actually writing it. You think you guys are kind of like his little Jiminy Cricket sitting on his shoulder, you know? <laughs> I, once, I you know, because once you put something in somebody's head, and it's you know it's there, they they kind of will take hold of that, you know, even if they're not consciously aware of it. I, I mean, I I hope so. I, I certainly don't. I, I'm going to be quiet from here on. I'm, <laughs> I'm not anxious to say anything else. Um, I certainly you know trust him as a writer, um, but. Yeah, the, I mean, the fact that he's seen it, if he's somehow subconsciously still digesting my rules, then um, <laughs> then I'm a happy camper for sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's it. It's going to come all out being gritty, and there's nothing going to be new. It's all going to be like a space western, like it yeah. should be. <laughs> I fail to see any problem with that. I don't, yeah, no, I don't yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of space westerns or anything, um, you guys obviously love Star Wars, you know, as we all do. Um, and Star Wars has its roots in Western and sci-fi serials, but since those type of you know that type of envi- uh, entertainment has seemed to disappear in this modern with modern audiences. Well, yeah, now it's now it's the time of the superheroes, right? And kind of the space opera, the fantasy, and the not the fantasy so much. We've got the Hobbits, but definitely the westerns have taken a backseat and all but disappeared. Right. And do you think uh, the audiences will now? 
relate to it and you know understand the the homage to you know the history of where Star Wars comes from. Um, I'll, I'll answer, then I'll let you chime in. Yeah. Um, I that's a really good question, and it's something that I'm wondering myself because a lot of pushback around these four rules. What pushback there is is around people who don't really want to see the frontier. Um, so I know that you know general population wise we're we're all migrating towards city like we're 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 less and less rural as a as a as a um civilization and so i'm really curious if um if there's that same support for that sense of exploration and that sense of living on the frontier for for the, for the for the western so i i don't know the answer my 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 answer is i, I hope so like I know that for me personally, it's it's yeah. really important to to have that kind of fiction and narrative, um, but um, I mean I I don't know if um, yeah I guess I guess um, <laughs> I I don't know I, I hope that um, that we're able to take a chance in episode seven and and go back there, um, but and I guess we'll see. Yeah. Anything to add? No, I think. I think so. <laughs> well, no, it's. I mean, it's interesting because we know the the original fans, and they re-released Star Wars in the theaters uh, years ago when they were doing the original trilogy, mm -hmm. and they made gads of money. But we also know that there's like the core original trilogy fans, and there's also fans of the new trilogy, and there's there's young kids who don't even know what an Ewok is and don't know what Han Solo is should and be only know what Jar Jar Binks is. There's children that have grown up with that. <laughs> I think there's monks in China that know who Jar Jar and who <laughs> Han Solo is. It's very possible. And <laughs> they're probably wearing their T-shirt right now. But the thing that's interesting is it, it seems like there's a very vocal, and you, you both have talked about today, there's a polarized audience for this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like there is a very vocal audience that's screaming for we want a hearkening to the Star Wars roots. We want that original trilogy feel. And that seems to be exactly what you guys are promoting in your video. But at the same time, there has been a different side of it. There's another side to the whole the whole group saying that, you know, they, they want new. They, they like the new trilogies. And um, for some reason, we decided to pull out a comment from YouTube. Well, no, it's, it's the one beacon of... The of what I did was I, I went through <laughs> I went through your guys's YouTube channel, uh, where the video w was posted, and I was looking at some of the comments, and most of the comments that I saw were positive, but I found one that was negative, and I just wanted to kind of read it and you know get your guys's opinion on it. So you have it right there. So won't you? Uh, with apologies, we're, and we're going. I, I was going to put the guy on blast. But then I decided, <laughs> no, no. No I decided, you know, no we're not going to use his name. No Any, names, no phone numbers. If anyone goes to YouTube, they will know who this guy is immediately. They can look him up. Then they can blast him. <laughs> but, but it is interesting because they do have a different side to how they feel about it. And it's interesting to me because I don't get it. But here we go. This was a uniquely stupid video on so many levels. Who are you to say what Star Wars is? Star Wars is George Lucas's vision, which has been a six-movie saga. Your complete ignorance shows you aren't even a fan. Okay, why am I? Okay. I know. <laughs> the start of the prequels was supposed to be clean, neat, and tidy because it wasn't a war-torn galaxy. So this guy hasn't read anything outside of right. the movies. 
Uh, duh, the Star Wars saga evolves, as all stories do, and to suggest that Star Wars is just the original trilogy is completely idiotic and shows a lack of understanding of filmmaking in general. Why did I read that? Why did I well, have to do because, that? Because there's, uh, there's a lot there that you know, I, I wanted to address. I'd like because to dispute it for because there are Because there, is a lot of, there are a lot of fans out there that feel this way and they feel that you know that you should exclude everything else, and you know what? George Lucas came up with an idea; it's his idea, and no one should ever question it. But you then know, you I, get I don't, I don't agree with this either. Okay, I totally right. don't agree with this. Uh, I, I think that there is a lot <coughs> of ignorance in this, even even to the point of questioning your guys's fandom. Your guys' filmmaking, you know. Well, this is also could just straight up be a troll. This is the internet, for God's sake. Right, correct. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a lot of that response, um, and and yeah, and I don't certainly appreciate it. I don't, I, I don't mind responding to it. Um, you know, I, what I what I, I think most people seem to find issue with the first two rules because those seem to be things in the prequels that that people will enjoy it or at least will defend that the settings of frontier and the the future is old um what i found though is the the defenders of the prequels tend to argue against those rules using story story logic which is to say that oh well because this happened at this time period it had to be this way um which to me isn't like film logic it's not this made it a good movie so I mean, I, I'm saying that what what made the one of the things or two of the things that made the original trilogy um, good filmmaking were were these rules, um, and I think that you know if George Lucas had wanted to, he could have very easily made the prequels and kept those rules in intact. Um, I mean. Just because, and the idea that the future was, or that things were newer back then, I mean, it was only a, a couple hundred years old, where, or, or older, whereas, or even a hundred years older, whereas the Star Wars universe is thousands of years old. So, you know, um, I think that, and, and when I go and look at, you know, the expanded universe, even the old Republic has this, a lot of times, this grittier feel. Right. And that's Thank thousands you. of years older. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the weird kind of departure that happens about 100 years ago, if I'm going to respond just from a story perspective, even that doesn't make sense. I think there's an argument against it. But, um, but yeah, from I guess from a, a filmmaker's perspective, the, um, the very um, uh, abandonment of the what the original Star Wars aesthetic, which still stands out as one of the the best aesthetics mm-hmm. in fiction of all time, yeah, um, just doesn't doesn't make sense. Well, um, yeah. from, from you know, I mean, you could say that there could be opulence and riches and advanced civilizations, but still have frontiers upon each of those worlds. Well, I mean, you could have kept Naboo, you know, nice, shiny, and pretty. You know, it didn't take Coruscant and you know have parts of it. You know, the richer, more you know. Uh, they they I went mean, for a certain yeah level. I mean it, it just it, it's one of those things that's it, it's frustrating when you sit down and you want to watch all six and you know and get the whole story that those first three movies I'm talking about one two and three you know the prequels they they are they're just they're they're too shiny too new everything is you know it is too clean Robert did you would you like to add Yeah I just feel like there's a like an aesthetic disconnect that en- ended up happening. Um, when they remade those those first three and it's it's like i know people are fighting for like no the technology was newer back then but i mean 
it's there there's just this this spirit about like where those where those films came from and and like yeah the, the grittiness the the secondhandness um that i just didn't see where it could have came from in those first three like it's it's yeah way too shiny and there was just like something that I couldn't relate to. And that's, that's where I feel like they missed the mark in it. Like if they could have kind of honed and paid, paid homage to um, what they were going to end up, the technology was supposed to be like, I, I, I could have understood it more. I could have related to it more and I would have appreciated it more. Well, yeah. You're, I mean, you're only talking 30, 40 years from episode one to episode four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, technology yeah. do- and, and gleam doesn't, you know, tarnish that quickly. Across a, a universe that is as vast as the Star Wars universe. I mean, the Empire's yeah, I mean, fast and rough, but not that fast and rough. I mean, Paul Patine <laughs> didn't go in there and just say, you know what, screw Destroy all, yeah. everything. Yeah. So before, yeah. And, now, then, and then, uh, yeah, and then as far as the rule number one, a lot of people are saying, well, we like seeing Coruscant. We like seeing the cities. Um, and, I mean, to me, that's, that's a matter of, of preference and a matter of genre. Like, the, the, the prequels, in my mind, were ended up being more of a political thriller where we're hanging out in the Senate and there's a lot of like backstabbing and subterfuge in the city. Whereas what I want to see in a a movie like this is an adventure story. So I think, you know, that's, that's a matter of preference. And and I hope that more people prefer the adventure than they do the, the political thriller, um, political movie. Yeah. Well, to show you some, just one little aspect of how there's a disconnect between the original trilogy and the prequels is when the Millennium Falcon would go into hyperspace, you would see, you know, you, you would see them going into hyperspace. You would see the stars pull back. You would see the vortex and everything. You didn't get that. And in, in, I think there's maybe one quick glimpse of it in the prequels and that's it. You know, yeah. so there, and then that's just one little small, you know, piece of how there is a disconnect between the two star Wars well, movie sets. Actually, I want to expand on that because that's, in my opinion, one of the one of the filmmaking tricks that really made you feel the distance of space. In in the originals, you spend a lot of time traveling in these spaceships, and that's where a lot of the stories and character builds. In the prequels, it's just cuts, and we're jumping mm-hmm. around to planets. Yeah. And so, by doing that, you're condensing yeah. space, and right. and it feels like it's just a, a hop over to this planet and a hop over to that, and there's no there's no sense of having to travel and you know what that that adds to the feeling of remoteness which mm-hmm. I think is is really important to the original trilogy. Yeah, it's, it's an entire galaxy. Yeah, well, Tatooine, yeah. you know, in, in the prequels, all of a sudden became very close to Coruscant, just like a quick jump, and you know, it's a one hour plane ride. Right, yeah, Tatooine's exactly, an outer exactly. rim planet. You know. Um, Okay, so you know we are talking about the rules, which I, I have to say, using the dioramas as the as the first rule was brilliant. I I, I still I, I have all my action figures and stuff. I set them up in dioramas. Actually, all the time. he does. I yeah, really did. Does. <laughs> I, I thought I thought using that was a brilliant way to immediately get the audience involved and, and to captivate them. And then of course you know I, I'm going to skip ahead real quick because the the using the Sherlock Holmes ending credits. To show the dirt and grit. The first time I watched the video, I was like, where the hell do I know that from? Where the hell do I know that from? And then it was on HBO like two days later. And I was like, oh, my God. I wonder if they – and then the – and that and yeah, Absolutely. then we watched the video. Yeah. That was so cool. I do, But I, I, I would have liked to have seen the uh, the Naboo uh, car commercial for the uh, – Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to see that car commercial. 
you know, like what? That yeah. was, I mean, that was just kind of a cool thing. And then I, when I was watching the game with these guys, I realized that you also had a battle droid that was that, you that was showed. part of it. Yeah, you showed the head oh, of yeah. the battle yeah. droid. But it looked too good. It was like yeah. oh, it I was too perfect. Movie, you know? <laughs> yeah. So rule one and two, uh, we kind of hit it on. You know, they discuss not being in a city or libraries and how it's not clean and neat. Um, and you say Star Wars needs to be dirty and gritty, but do you feel that if you don't have the new and clean and the city's apartment, it, it's harder to tell the story of the frontier? You know, you kind of have to, you know, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. You kind of have to tell where you come from in order to know where you are at that point. I have a strong opinion. Go ahead. <laughs> ooh, ooh, we um, like strong well, opinions. I feel like um, people bring up, a lot of people, are, one of their complaints is uh, Cloud City was uh, was a, a city, you know, and it goes against my rules in the original trilogy. But I feel like that does exactly what you're saying, where Cloud City is kind of like, Story-wise, it almost functions as a trap door where mm-hmm. we know this place, we know the guy who runs it, it's a mining operation, it's, it's mm-hmm. seedy, but we go there and it has all the safety of civilization. We're back around people, there's no danger anywhere, it's clean, it's bright. And then, of course, we find out they've been double-crossed and civilization is actually representing the empire and, and that's where the story really just goes to shit, you know? So I, I think it was beautifully used in empire and i i guess i also want to make something clear like these rules i don't mean for them to be like you know uh dictatorial rules where where we're never seeing the city um cloud city is 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 absolutely doing what you're saying it's it's showing the contrast and making the audience feel safe so that we can pull the rug out from underneath them. Right. So you I think didn't... in occasions like that, when it's used for good purpose, we we can totally see the city. Yeah, it makes sense. Let's just not spend an entire movie. Yeah, right. right. But you know, that's but that's how a republic slowly dies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, rule three, I, I I was trying to come up with something, and you know, trying trying to come up with some kind of contrast or something to to play against it to just to kind of give, you know, a little bit of the, the people that do love the, you know, the prequels, some trying to give them a voice with this, but it's midi chlorians and no, there's no reason for them. <laughs> I, I can't, we don't need, I, no, we don't need to get into midi chlorians. They don't exist. It doesn't exist. When you said, you know, in there that the, you know, the force doesn't need to be explained, you know, that it's a magic. It's like, you don't need to explain, you know, a religion down to its science. Because yeah. once you do that, you take away the 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 faith, the religion of it. You know, you 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 take it back to okay, well, yeah, we have some kind of little bacteria in us that's you know making us able well, to. And it, it doesn't even so much have to be a quote unquote religion. I mean, it, it's actually funny because when you hear all the Jedi, when you hear Obi Wan talk about it in the original trilogies, he's not talking about it as if it were a religion. He's talking about this mystical magical force that's in everyone and everything around us and he never really refers to it as a religion it's the people outside of it that refer to it as a crazy religion mm-hmm. yes and it i mean it's more magical than anything right well but the way that obi-wan describes it in episode four and what he does with it in episode one yeah. just completely contradict each other actually i think we're proving your point for you we, we are but <laughs> This you was know, supposed see, to be a platform for yeah, you I to know, discuss it, I know. but instead we all have strong opinions about this. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't think there's one person on this planet or any other planet that can 
give midi-chlorians. No, a, let's just not defend it. And yeah, I, but I honestly, I personally <laughs> think that if the midi-chlorians were left out of episode one, then you could forgive some of the other things that take place. Not necessarily Jar Jar, but you know some of the yeah. other things that are in episode one that are just out of place and just you know kind of make you cringe every time you watch it. You could kind of forgive them for uh, some of that if the midi chlorians weren't there because once the midi chlorians get introduced, of the force was removed. Right. Once you once mm. the midi chlorians get introduced, you're just kind of that takes you out of the whole film for me, or at least for me. Well, I want to contend that the midi chlorians were definitely, I mean, were terrible. Uh, but uh, but that's already such like a, a rallying point for fans of the original trilogy. Um, I I think that the prequel something else that they did was there was no reverence for the force and maybe maybe it's cuz we've already had Yoda explain what the force is and we felt that magic but they just skipped over it and there was a lot of oh you know something bad happened there's a disturbance in the force or the force is telling me this it was kind of used as a lazy way for easy story explanations. Yeah, it's like exposition. Quick exposition yeah, exactly. jumps. Yeah. That's, what it, that's what the Force was. And then, of course, it gives the Jedis their superpowers <laughs> so they right. can jump really high and stuff. Yeah. But there there was... I want to focus on this, that there was no... Um, there was no reverence for the Force. Like, there was no... There was no scenes of magic where the Force was doing something that moved the audience or somebody was using it in a way that emotionally resonated yeah. with us. So... Mini chlorians aside, I would like to see a, a return to that. I would like to get chills on the back of my neck uh, yes. because something happens that that is extremely moving, and I and I want to believe in the force, you know. Um, so that's that's all I would add to that. Yeah, which, which lets me jump to the star destroyer being lifted. Well, that, that, okay, yes. No, I'm bringing it up because that's one of the coolest scenes in I the know, entire I know, video. And I've, I've put this in an email. I think a couple emails to you and everything. I want a print of Yoda lifting the Death Star. I think the, the world wants a print of that. that is have that? I feel like it's on the JJ site, the dear JJ. I mean, you could download a, a high-res desktop of it. Um, yeah. No, I, I want you guys, I, and, and I'll pay for it. I want I love, you guys yeah, you're to just print me out one. I want you to print me one out and sign it for me. So I can hang it on my wall with all my other prints. This was all a ruse for Rich okay. to be able to get a <laughs> print right, we'll for me. It. We can yes, make that send us your address. We'll send it. To oh, you. thank you. Because I that was as soon as I saw that, it was, I it really was like you guys said. It was one of the most powerful images in the whole piece, mm-hmm. and I, I, I it immediately brought me back to when Yoda is trying to teach Luke, and he lifts the X-wing and the. Op, the the symphonic that John Williams did is building and building in the background, and it's like yeah, it's awe inspiring. I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean Absolutely. that that was so brilliant. That that was, and I saw that in the making of that. That almost didn't happen the way it did in the final uh, cut. Yeah, way to bring that yeah. in. Way to crush that. <laughs> yeah, that was this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was just that was amazing, and I, I would I would be very honored if I could get a print with you guys signing it for me. Send us your address. We'd yeah. I'm glad to do it. So rule four. I love that you had JJ shooting, uh, being Han. I thought that was that so was fitting. I thought that was brilliantly done. But I have to say that you say Star Wars isn't cute. Uh, yeah. But you do show an Ewok. 
you show the Ewok village and everything, there are a lot of people in the that who would even, argue even even original trilogy loyalist that would Ewoks argue are cutesy wootsy that the Ewoks are the beginning of the end of the Star Wars universe that we fell in love with the first two films. But they're so cute. And cuddly. How do you respond to that with <laughs> using Ewoks and not and in the same section as Star Wars isn't cute? Do you want to go first? On well, this I think it, it would be helpful if you kind of explained what the original. So, so just to and this doesn't really clear my name or anything, no. but <laughs> the original rule was was going to be Han always shoots first, and we did um, we got some last minute uh, direction from one of the owners that that maybe we should change it to Star. Wars isn't cute because that's more just easily easy to understand um, for people watching the video. So oh. I think our original rule was okay. a little bit more nuanced. Um, uh, having said that, I will say I, I do. I, I could, there's flaws in the original trilogy. I don't think it's perfection all the way across. But Ewoks don't bother me. So. I, Ewoks don't bother <laughs> Ewoks me. Ewoks never bothered me. Yeah. Have you seen those things tear the face off of an AT-AT? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Now, the problem with the Ewoks that I do have that I think is very unnecessary is in the Blu-rays where they start blinking. I think. Uh, oh, you don't like the yeah. creepy... It got uh, a little creepy. That is so creepy. creepy. My, like my six-year-old daughter who, who loves the like original trilogy... She loves the original tri trilogy, loves Ewoks, was terrified of them <laughs> when they started. I had to go blinking. back and watch. I didn't. I just watched the original or the Blu-ray version. I didn't notice that, so I, I have to look for it. Consider yeah. yourself lucky, then, if you didn't notice okay, it. Okay, so that that's a perfect segue talking about the Blu-rays and everything and changes and getting into. We don't have to get into George and all his changes, but um, you know they they did the special editions and then the special editions and then the special edition Blu-rays and then there was another special edition. I think he did a fifth special edition. With a box set of the special edition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. And you could have a special edition with your special edition. So with that being said, you guys throw in a little hint towards that with Han stepping on uh, Jabba's tail and all that kind of stuff. Uh, wh where do you guys land on the special editions? And do you like inclusions of new giant lizards on Tatooine? Or where do you <laughs> land on those parties? I think we tow the party line there as yeah. well. I mean... <laughs> I just I just watched the uh, Return of the Jedi Blu-ray and I didn't know about the changes. So when Darth Vader screams no, no. Yeah. there's something at my TV. I was like, kidding me. The one that killed me the most, I think. The one I that think made that's me the worst cry, part. No, the one that made me cry the most is when in the special editions, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Wouldn't Wouldn't actor um, Hayden Christensen is walking oh. in as the blue oh. ghost at the end. That that I I I almost I almost killed well, myself. They also they changed Boba Fett's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, God. The I think the most blaspheming thing was Darth Vader screaming no at the end. Yeah, was that terrible. that scene was so brilliantly done oh, with God. Darth Vader not saying anything, no. and, you, and you got the what he was feeling inside, even though you don't see anything on his face because you know it, without with the mask and everything. Jesus, to have that no, so it's so things. unnecessary. So many it's, terrible just, things. You, oh. yeah. I, I read an online comment that that really summed it up nicely. It's like with the ad addition of no to Darth Vader, Lucas uh, threw away the last shred of subtlety in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> yes. or something like that, which is totally true. One hundred percent true. Yeah. One of our producers will not watch the Blu-rays at all because of 
that that I'm, last. I'm in scene. with our producer. I have yet to see the Blu-rays. Uh, I, I refuse to buy. I've them. watched them. I've watched them. I, I can say I converted them to 3D and watched them. Which actually they converted pretty well to 3D. I was surprised. Even the original trilogy did, and I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy the changes, um, especially you know like the Vader. No, the the Han stepping on Jabba's tail has always bothered me because mm. I think it's so out of character. You know, for me, Jabba would immediately have killed him. Had him killed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, I, oh, you're going to do that? You're dead. I, I think they could have done it without showing that if you would have cut, you know, left the dialogue. The scene itself wasn't that bad. I mean, it was a typical Han being a jackass and if you Jabba threatening him. I was like, I'm okay with that. If you mm-hmm. would have cut to Boba Fett or some other, you know, alien or something and left the dialogue so Han could have walked around and given him enough time to walk around Jabba so he'd have been on the other side. It would have worked so much better, left their you know their characters intact, and still been able to work. But I I, I mean I understand why the scene's there, but I still don't think it's necessary. Okay, yeah. so with to, that, to me it's the difference between like the old trilogy cute and the new trilogy cute. You know, there's just it's so hard <laughs> to Misa, describe. Misa, Misa. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's on that level. So you yeah, say I'm, people I'm gonna it. die, sir. By the way, I'm glad you had JJ shoot uh, Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for killing him. It needed to happen. It, yeah. it says it all right there. Yeah, yeah. I think he, they did what everybody was thinking. Did, by the way, did he actually did he happen to comment on that? Uh, with no. him shooting or with him in it? I think he just laughed a lot yeah. with all of us. So, so with that and, and Jar Jar being such a pile of trash, um, <laughs> if the prequels were so bad, which generally they weren't horrible, but they weren't good. No, they why, were bad. Why do you guys think they were so commercially successful? I mean, I've got my own take, but I want to hear what you guys think. Man, I I would say, like, I feel like they were really successful because we had a lot of hope for them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Going in, uh, like, all of us wanted to see, like, Star Wars on the big screen again. And, like, for me, going to the movie movies and watching them, like, I, I really was expecting, I guess them to be closer to uh the original trilogy and like but i don't i don't feel like i i could speak on behalf of everybody because i feel like there's a lot of like you mentioned before a lot of people that that's their first um experience getting to go and see them and i think that they were successful because that universe is so well written um i want to say maybe not individual characters but that universe is very attractive and we can all like just really get it pulled into that and so like the the new fans that are the only experienced the the new trilogies i feel like they can latch onto even like like i mean yoda is still there and those characters a lot of them are still existent so um it's just it's a, just a great story and um though it may not be portrayed in the right um skin sometimes i, I feel like it's just it's just a well written piece. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I went and saw all three on opening night. So, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker. Yeah. Um, I want to hear your guys' theory. To be honest, uh, well, first first I, of all, I have I to know say, I I have all my I have a number of theories on why they were so successful. First of all, I I have to say my six year old daughter can't stand the prequels. She loves the original trilogy. Yeah, but you've built that into her. Well, very but well. no, she, I I, I, I think sat that's her just down genetics. Snow, I honestly sat her down and didn't give my opinions or make my groans or anything watching them and let her watch him. And the first thing she says to me is, Daddy, that Jar Jar person's stupid. Uh, <laughs> you have a smart child. <laughs> what can yeah, I yeah. say? Uh, okay, so give, give us give, we'll give, give us yours my first. theories. Yeah. So um, I think that 
it was very brilliantly marketed towards young people. And a lot of marketing companies and a lot of advertising companies know that money generates from children, not so much from adults, more from children, because it's the children that are screaming at their mothers and fathers to get them this, to get them that. So when you start throwing a very young kid, Jake Lloyd, as the protagonist of this new, you know, age of film coming out. I hate him. And well, everybody does, yeah. but but you put him up there and you have this little kid piloting this uh, pod racer and you have this little kid using this force. You have this little kid who's so cool and, and all this stuff. It's all, wizard. All the children are thinking, I want to go see that kid do all those cool things because that kid's like me and if he's special, I could be special too. Then you've got Jar Jar Binks, so you've got your comedic foil and this goofy and George Lucas stated on Jay Leno years ago, he made Jar Jar Binks for children. Hell yeah. And he said his kids at the time thought Jar Jar Binks was the coolest thing in the world. And they love cartoon characters, and that is a giant cartoon character. When when I went and saw uh, Phantom Menace, I, I did the midnight showing and everything, and I immediately got out of line and got back in because I had to see it again to see if I really saw what I just saw. Because I knew that going into it, I was so hyped up, so excited for it that I felt like, did I really just see that or did I miss something or did, you know, did my imagination make up some of what I just saw? But here's the problem. Here's one of the things with the the prequels, especially Phantom Menace. There had been such a gap between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace that fans wanted something new to see. They'd been waiting. How many? How and many decades had it been since? It'd been so almost thirty two. years, I think. At no, that point, no, no, right? no, 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 two. no, no, no. It, it was about twenty. Two, two decades. I mean, yeah. you go t- twenty years for something that has generated that much passion. Right. People are. But people are. You know, there's there. We've created our own. You know. Results be damned. Give we, me Star Wars. We, we are. We've created our, our 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 own vision of what that universe was. You know, many times over. Whether it be playing with our toys, our own fan fiction, whatnot, and then you had all the great expanded universe stuff that had been added in that gap, that we had built up that movie and what it could be so much that I don't think it would have ever lived up to the hype of the original Star Wars fan. But then you add all that other crap that's in there that that is very blasphemous yes, over what we had originally <laughs> what we'd originally learned and grew up with. You know that it just completely destroyed it, you know, whatever was to come. Okay, so we've we've talked about the past. Yes. And we know what's good and bad. Let's let's talk about the future. Okay. So, episode 7, which is where all this is going towards and what we're all about here. Which they just said last week, it will be December 18th. December 18th, 2015. Yes. Yep. It's already marked on my calendar. I have Christmas the day what do, you, what do you think about a Star Wars movie in December? What do you guys think? Oh, um, personally, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I, I can't that. wait. I'll be waiting does, on this. No. Does I, it I, matter? I, I mean, to be, to be honest, like pushing back the date, my my opinion is like take as much time as you thank need you Disney. Yeah. like yeah mm-hmm. like p- keep pushing it back because I, I i want this to be you right you take so. all the time you want yeah, yeah exactly so uh disney yes walks in four billion dollars hey george we're gonna buy lucasfilm and star wars uh, how did you guys feel and how do you feel about the fact that disney bought up the uh rights uh well there's i guess i'm kind of split on that like i feel like it could be a really good thing or it could be a really bad thing. I don't know. I, I'm waiting to see this 
this film come out um, to, I guess, know what the results are. I mean, like, because I, I have a lot of hope that maybe they can take it to the level that it needs to, but then at the same time, I'm scared. I'm really scared that they're going to just uh, maybe commercialize it and take it away from where the fans are really wanting that, that story to be. Um, so I don't, I don't know. There's just a little bit of hope. A little bit of not, a little dismay, I guess. I feel like it can't get any worse. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, you know, what's the worst that, that happens? That they maybe they they put out a bad movie and it's a bad Star Wars movie. That's not the end of the world. But maybe they put out a great Star Wars movie, in which yeah. case it's totally worth it. Whereas I feel like we're Lucas to do this. I I just don't have any faith in yeah. that in that anymore. So I don't know why you would. Say I think that. it's a good thing. I can tell you the because I, I I'm you know I'm on the email with the, all the R two groups and you know R two builders and the five hundred first and everything. I can tell you that the day of the purchase, my email box had over two thousand emails in it just about the purchase. Yeah, I mean it was like it was insane, and there was so many people that were just completely devastated that Disney was buying it. It and was see, it was I, it was the know, exact I'm same thing as when. It was the exact same thing when Disney bought Marvel. Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah, freaked out and thought Mickey Mouse is going to all of a sudden show up as Wolverine's partner and, you know, you're going to have... But that know, has Oh, that's happened. still coming. That's still coming. Yeah. You, you know me? what? You <laughs> know what? I'm, I'm going on track record. I'm going on track record. Disney owns Pixar. Pixar is the best thing Disney has going for it. Disney buys Marvel. Marvel is doing really great, generally speaking, overall. They're doing really great stuff, and they're being allowed to run independently. So, crossing yeah. fingers, if Disney that trend continues, if Disney hadn't bought Marvel first and put out the films that they've been putting out through Marvel, I would have been very scared. But the way they've run Marvel and let Marvel run themselves, basically, because I, you know, I just went and saw Thor two, and there's no Disney logo that shows up at all, you know, prior to the film. They don't have their their production logo on there. They don't have anything. It's exclusively a Marvel film, you know. So I, I I think that they're going to do the same things with Lucasfilm and allow Star Wars to be Star Wars and not, you know, bleed through as far as Disney's influence. Now, as far as like on the theme parks and things like that, yeah, you're going to start seeing more Star Wars things show up on television things, which is you know can be good. But I don't think that they're going to come in heavy-handed and say, no, Star Wars has to be this way. I think and, and I think they're making all the right moves, too, to give that should give us confidence. Like the, that executive who came out and said that they're they're looking at doing practical instead of CGI. And then right. even giving um, you know J.J. Abrams and, and Lawrence Kasdan a reign on the script, I think, is an encouraging move. So mm -hmm. in my opinion, you know, they're... The, what's leaking to, to the fans is all good news, like stuff right. we should be excited about. So, How do you guys feel about uh, Mr. Arndt being uh, asked to leave the script writing duties and tossing it over? I mean, I love Kasdan because it's Kasdan, but how do you guys feel about that? I mean, it, did, because I know there was a little bit of talk on the internet that people were a little worried. They're like, uh-oh, does this mean that the production of Star Wars, are they having problems? Does this mean that Disney is saying Arndt isn't doing what we want, so we're going to have J.J. do it? Or is that, you know what I mean? Like well, there was Star Wars fans, the murmurings always start. Star Wars fans and, and the nerd population, if you will, always seem to take the negative route as soon as some news comes out. Right. 
You know, at, at one point, people were talking about how J.J. Abrams was supposed to be leaving the project because he was just fed up with it. You know, there there was all kinds of rumors going out there, but it always seems to be, you know, negative until you get to the point of something good. You know, okay. it's like it's like look at it. Well, if we go to Lucas. if we look at it bad real quick, or if we keep looking at it bad, then if it's better than what we expected to be bad, then it's good. You know, instead instead of being looking at the positives and and everything that's good going on mm-hmm. and going into it positive about it, everybody goes into it negative, hoping for something well, better. Because we've been burned. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We've been horribly disfigured, like. <laughs> um, well, with that, then then let, let's go to the next one. Uh, do you think George should have any say whatsoever in the new movie? Um, I, I think they're they're taking a great route. Uh, bring him in as a consultant, see what his vision would have been. Um, you know, I'm sure they're mining that for the best stuff, and then take it from there. I mean, his his stories have always been really good. Yeah, his um, I mean, his stories for for all the Star Wars films, including the prequels and the Indiana Jones, have always been really solid. Um, I just think he needs somebody else executing. So That's I think they're extremely true. He he yeah. writes story really well. It's when he gets into the dialogue and he gets into the specifics and the nitty gritty where it starts to fall apart. Well, I mean, you guys yeah, yeah. you guys write projects. You, you hell, Preston, you're writers. You, you wrote a you wrote a book. You know how it is. You have to have somebody else edit your work. If you if you sit down and you're saying no, I'm writing this, I'm directing it, I'm producing it, and everything, you become so blinded and you get you know you're looking through such a, a narrow tunnel that you don't see the other possibilities. When Lucas hired other writers to help him write Empire, write Jedi, you know, even Star Wars, it allowed the the story to take a much larger, you know, it, it la- become a, it became a lot much larger universe just by having those other people involved and it, it became a lot cleaner and crisper universe. I, at least in my opinion. Yeah, totally. So I, I think his involvement as he is involved is is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, consultant. Well, and, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is everybody's going, well, why are we waiting now to have episodes seven, eight, and nine? But this is the time period as when George that's originally... Actually, that's a, yeah, for people that don't know, and you guys probably know this well by now, but um, when Mark Hamill was uh, filming, or just after filming Return of the Jedi, uh, he did an interview George... With- well, well no, he did. George contacted him, right. sent him letters, and then talked to him over the phone and said, I want you to come back. 2012, we'll be doing 7, 8, and 9. That's when you'll be the proper age. Will you do it? And Mark was like, yeah, I'll do it. So, <laughs> you know, in the grand scheme of things, even though many things have changed over time, originally speaking, this is right in the swing zone of where George Lucas had imagined 7, 8, and 9 to take place. Yes. Okay. So have you guys heard about the uh, open casting they announced in England? this past week well i saw your email and then i i did some more reading so that's that's really exciting i'm glad that they are because apparently the one of the characters that they're they're casting for uh, her code name or at least her name that they're using right now is rachel but she is supposed to be one of the main characters and i'm glad that they're not going with you know every role has to be a named actor you know give it give us that when we would sit down and watch something, I don't want to watch Natalie Portman playing Queen Amidala. But Disney right. has like Zac Efron ready to go. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Ready to I've dance seen, into our hearts. I've seen that meme so many times. It's just, <laughs> I mean, if they're if they're smart, Disney. I mean, this is an opportunity. We're going to go to the theaters no matter what. They don't need actors to bring us to the theaters. So exactly. if they're smart, they'll they'll choose unknowns that they can make into these characters, yeah. and you know, spend that money elsewhere on the movie. You know, spend it on practical uh, sets, uh, sound stages, and stuff. As, so as long as I'm we excited. as long as we get somebody that. Is not a wooden actor like Hayden Christensen. Right. He's not a terrible well, actor. They're, they're I think the dollar. Then they can choose like you know top dollar unknown actors. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think of Disney wanting to do the spinoffs and like the original, uh, you know, the origin films? And this coming off of, they have announced that they're going to be doing a so, Han Solo film and a Boba Fett. Well, they're right now they're talking within starting in 2015 on. We're going to have a Star Wars film every year. For the next five years, I you're shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> Prescott I, is not I, amused. I guess you know Star Wars is always. I mean, it's always kind of been oversaturated. I mean, they they always market the crap out of it, but I mean, it's a just a little bit of a bummer to me the way that these new franchises are mm-hmm. are turning in that they they just they want to milk every last yeah. drop out of everything that's the only yes. term for it yeah yeah you know you know it's funny as you say that uh star wars is over marketed um when Dis- one of the things that disney said when they bought star wars was that it wasn't marketed enough oh god oh, god. Man. <laughs> oh no when i heard that i was like oh you got to be kidding me i bet abrams walks away this first movie with enough star wars for a long time right I mean, i'd be surprised if he was doing all three yeah i i think i think he'll be um a good first director and yeah. I don't think he's going to stay on for all three. He may stay on as a producer, maybe a writer, a consultant at least. Sure. But I don't think he's going to direct all three. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, for everybody here. I want to get everybody's opinion. Uh, what was your first experience for Star Wars or when was it? And when did you know you fell in love with it? You want to go ahead? Oh. Yeah, I guess they can start. Um, I grew up we had an old VHS copy that was like taped off TV of A New Hope, and I wasn't allowed to watch it till I was probably ten. But my dad would actually tell me the story of Star Wars, so I would ask him about what this what Star Wars was, and he would like sit me down and walk me through the, all the adventures of of Luke and um, Han and Leia. So I, before I even saw it, knew what the story was, and it already had this kind of mythology for me. So. That was a really cool way. I mean, I, I was going to be a fan until the day I That's died. Awesome. That that introduction. So yeah, um, I would say I was introduced pretty at a at a young age just by the films, uh, VHS, and I don't own any Blu-ray. I actually <laughs> still just have VHS. Um, and yeah, like my dad was able to kind of just share the the story with me, and I I got hooked by the action figures that they that they made back then um oh, yeah. just like how many characters that they made mm-hmm. really really well done um marketing job for that the product <laughs> but uh yeah i just the characters were just so much fun and then obviously just drawing like so many x-wings and darth vaders as as a young child was was so fun all right ethan i'll let you go I'm, i'll go last because uh, apparently <laughs> mine's gonna be the oldest one here <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, uh, mine is similar to, like, Prescott's. Um, we had an old uh, VHS tape of New, A New Hope that was taped off TV. And, my, you know, it was something my dad introduced me to. So 
you know, I just sat down and watched it. I just love the movie. So, okay, <laughs> Travis, I'll be I'll be second oldest. Um, my my parents didn't tell me anything about it. I didn't found find out until like I was in college that my dad had like spent all night in line and bought tickets and did that whole thing for a new hope. But um, I was a lit like I think I was two or three years old and my parents wanted to go see empire strikes back and they couldn't get a sitter for me so they were just like we're taking him screw it <laughs> we'll, we'll cover his eyes and ears if we have to we, we're going to this so i was uh, i was either two or three year old, years old and they took me to empire strikes back which is the best one ever made mm-hmm. and um i think within that year i had like 30 action <laughs> figures the millennium falcon and x-wing the Slave one. I had the Darth Vader carrying case for all the. Oh, I figures. did too. Yeah, did dude. Too. Yeah, the the big head carrying case. I like. I like. I just dove in, and it was over there. They were screwed. They were buying me Star Wars forever. <laughs> were Were you scared? I mean, Empire is the scariest. I one. was scared out of my mind. The scene that scared the crap out of me was when uh, Luke goes into the cave on oh, Dagobah. Yeah. And he's battling Vader and everything. I was like literally almost tearing up. I was so scared during that moment. Absolutely. I'm still scared. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So mine was I saw the original Star Wars in the movie or at a drive. You are old. 41, yes. I will go right there. (laughs) So I was five years old. I the trailer for it came on and I desperately wanted to see it. But since I was five, my parents said, oh, it's a PG movie, so they went and saw it first to make sure it was okay. Then my dad took us to a drive-in theater, and I sat me up on top of our station wagon and everything. And Did he hide you all, like, in the no, in the trunk? Not for this so one. So you, got, you <laughs> all get free, you know, like, you all get in for free? free not for this one. In the trunk. So I saw the original Star Wars in uh, at, a dri- at a drive-in movie theater for the first time in 77. That's there was the summer of the wow. 77. Yeah. yeah. You were and, seeing it while I was being born. But I had it But see, here's the thing. He was seeing he, it when I wasn't even a thought yet. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. You guys talk about Star Wars figures and everything. I already had the early bird card that you purchased before, you know, the even 76 before the movie came yeah. out. So I had that before I even knew or saw the movie. Man. So what was it like? What was it like seeing Star Wars in the theater for the first time? Right, I mean, we never rem- got that. You must remember it. it it's it, honestly, it is one of my first, one of the earliest memories that I do remember, and it was so captivating and so amazing. I mean, literally everything about me now that's grown up is a result of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I, I had every toy, every you know, and you want to talk about somebody that no matter. If Star Wars is bad or not, they will continue to see it. Oh yeah, and see yeah. every version of it. He apologizes for everything. I do. I, <laughs> you know, and, and I've he's seen, the one who owns all like seventeen special editions. I, I do. I, I have. I, you talk about VHSs and things like that. I have the V the first VHSs that came out. I remember watching uh, watching this watching Star Wars on HBO when it first was airing back in seventy nine eighty. Um, I had the original thirty five millimeter you know, home video of it where you actually had to have a record that played along with it. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so, and I, I would sit there at night and I'd put it up, like put a little, you know, like on my white wall or anything and have it there and sit in my room under a cover and everything and watch <laughs> it over and over again. So, yeah, I mean, Star Wars is so ingrained in me that I think it has passed through my DNA to my daughter. 
But yeah, that was my my first experience. And I remember halfway through the movie, and I, I think it was before the Battle of the Death Star, um, I went and sat in the swings that were right below the screen at the drive-in. So I had the whole trench battle and everything right <laughs> above my head. Oh, man. And it was just, you know, larger than life. Because, you know, on a drive-in, it's bigger than, you know, you go to some of the movie theaters nowadays and see it. And yeah. I'm sitting there looking up at this happen above my head and just you feel like you are in an X-Wing flying, you know, going <laughs> oh, going down that trench. It was, it was an, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I, when, they, when they started saying that the new Star Wars were coming back out in the theater and they were going to do, you know, all of the 3Ds and everything in the theater and everything like that, I was so excited just to be able to take my daughter to the movie theater and see it. And we did. We went and saw uh, Phantom Menace, just the two of us. And I, I kept watching her throughout most of the film because she did still have that same wonder and amazement on her face that I had on mine. Mm. And I think that's where the prequels have a place. Yeah. You know, and, and I, that's where they belong. Tarnishing young people's <laughs> minds. <laughs> Unless you have a parent that can steer them in the right direction. Right. In, your, in your essay, um, I'm, a big, I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. Yeah. You mentioned that the protagonist in the new Star Wars films should or could be a Walter White type character. But do you think that would that most fans would accept that? Or do you I mean cuz you know, I mean that character is such a it's a brilliant character first of all, but it it, it it's such a character that you want to hate even though that, you know, Vince Gilligan wrote him so well that you end up loving him. But do you think that a lot of fan it would turn a lot of fans away from Star Wars, or that a lot of the younger generation wouldn't understand it or be able to like that type of a protagonist? My my response would be, who cares? That would be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, first of all, I don't think Disney would ever do it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you could show that character over the course of three movies move in that direction, um, but still keep good like i mean morally good supporting characters around him so i mean it would be a really tricky line to walk and would require some excellent writers yeah but mm -hmm. i think you could do it i think you could do it wouldn't that be a better character for the antagonist though who to whoever's becoming the depends Sith? on what the story is but i feel like that's what they did in the in the prequels i i feel yeah. like it would be really interesting now to show that walk to the dark side uh, fall from grace protagonist. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think it would be a, a brilliant... Uh, I, I would love to see that story. So, you know, maybe you can write it since you have written a novel and everything, you know? Hint, hint. I'll raise my hand if J.J. wants to tap me. <laughs> hint, sure. hint. You know, that would, right, be, that would be a great expanded universe. Now, you know what? It, it, I mean, I want to thank you guys. It's been a real pleasure having you on here. Yes, um, big thanks to Preston and Robert for being on the show today. Yes, and I want to remind everybody to go over to www.dearjjabrams.com and sign the petition. Because once these guys get a million uh, signatures, if I read it correctly, you guys are going to go down to Disney Studios with the camera crew? That's correct. We're still obliged to do that. However, I feel like we... <laughs> I don't know how much more we can ask for. We, we got a public <laughs> acknowledgement that they agree with the videos. So, <laughs> if you guys do go, please call me because I want to be there. 
Absolutely, right. absolutely. We will. We'll see if we can get to a million views. And I think yes. at, right now you guys have a little over 125,000 signatures. Is that right? Yeah, they're creeping up on 130,000 signatures. Yep. And yep. the the video itself's almost at a million on YouTube. So yeah, it's almost yeah. at a million viewership on mm -hmm. YouTube, which is crazy. Um, and if you guys, if, if anyone out there hasn't gone over and checked out the video, do so. Go see the video. Whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, you need to go see this. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's just for the artwork. And it, did you guys do the acapella alone? My brother did all that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Kudos to him, too, because that was fun. <laughs> and, yeah. and while you're on the website, make sure you go check out the not only the main video, but the behind the scenes, which is really cool. And then uh, give, give a read to Prescott's essay. Yeah. Because yeah. it gives you a whole different insight towards what everything you guys did. Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I went over to your blog, I, I was also reading and looking at all the other videos and everything you did. And you've done some amazing stuff. Oh, thanks, man. But, but just the whole being on your boat for that long, working and out in the... I think you said you were like... We know you know, like the boat. So we great. get it. <laughs> you like the boat. Because oh, what? You yeah, were, we were in L.A. for a, for a year. Um, we stopped by for a year in L.A. So had I, had I only known you guys, then yeah, I know, I know. invited right. you over. Well, next time you guys come out, you definitely have to, you know, we'll have to get together. And, and definitely, if you guys come out for the, for the um, next celebration, which is going to be in Anaheim in April 2015, definitely we'll go out and do something. Awesome. Sounds great. Yeah, there's a chance I might be down in January or February, so I will um, I will definitely look you guys up. I'd yeah. love, to, okay. love to hang out. Don't forget, everybody, if you're talking about this online, if you go to the website, if you're sharing it with your friends, use hashtag Dear JJ Abrams. Yes, definitely. Give them shout-outs. Let's cool. get it trending. Uh, well, yeah, I, th I think it has been trending, and I think we'll get it trending again. And remember, Nerdables is on Stitcher Radio now. so we are Still? They haven't dropped us yet? Not yet. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, we are also on SoundCloud, Blip TV, and iTunes, so check us out there. And always remember, you can go to Facebook.com backslash Nerdables, Twitter, we're at, at Nerdables, Nerdables show. show. And you can visit our website, which is Nerdables.com, for this podcast and every other podcast we've done. And we are going to have a link up there for DearJJAbrams.com. Uh, I do have an article up there. I don't know if you guys have seen it, every, uh, seen it or not yet, but I did do a little piece about you guys, um, and I put it up there. Awesome. Oh, yeah, we'll check it out right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for everybody at DearJJAbrams.com, and for Travis and Ethan, I'm R.A. Rain saying, Dear J.J. Abrams, please don't mess this up. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Sweet. Thanks, guys. It was really fun. Walk into the wrong bar, lose your arm. Don't pay your debts, end up in carbonite. The frontier is a dangerous place. It's never cute or silly. It's not child-proofed. It's freaking Star Wars. And Han always shoots first. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-